Hello, welcome to the Film Geek Collective. Today's episode 133, and the topic today is genre fatigue. Now, before I get into it, I would like to get into the shout-outs. Tessa Cat, Mizen's in Company, Elsie Cool, Film Mom, Tix, Zakas, Cop My Bay, Unicorn, Fizz Popcast, W Rated Pod, Real Sharks, Aki A Ribu Shaku, Sam from IJ, Contrera, Ashy Slashy, The Chris White, Apple Park Films, Sherlock Lasser Video, Eloisa Hilton, Autistic in Melbourne, Naked Airplane, Teacup Arenos, Sin the Madness Podcast, Larry, Films with Amy, Zeus, Caution Spoilers, JGWR, Heavenly Imagine, Also One, Still Mellow, Lee JM75, and Eric Sluss. Now to get into the notes on that I've prepared on genre fatigue. Now, I, for the record, I'm recording on the 6th of May, and I'm going to release this on Tuesday or Wednesday, so yeah, I'm technically recording ahead for like the first time, so here you go. You're hearing someone from the past. Okay, you're always hearing someone from the past. Get on with it, you say, like that Monty Python scene. All right, all right, I'll get on with it. It's all good. All right. So, yeah, in terms of genre fatigue, I'd like to explore it mostly through the the lens of the superhero genre, but I would also like to say that uh, there are other ways to come into this topic. But mainly the superhero genre, from my perspective, as I know the most about the superhero genre, I've never really been a big fan of westerns, which superhero films in the downfall or so-called downfall would inevitably be compared to. But uh, yeah, I mean, there are people who don't like superhero movies. There are people who want to see change in it, um, even if they like it or or whatever. You know, they want to see it tackled quote-unquote deeper stories, although... I would suggest watching, you know, maybe Logan or, or Joker or Avengers Endgame. Okay, Avengers Endgame requires watching 20 other movies, which I'll get to that problem probably later. But, uh, yeah, I guess there's plenty of variety in the superhero genre. The superhero genre has, you know, political thriller in Captain America the Winter Soldier. There's comedy in stuff like Deadpool. You know, there's all that sorts of thing. Logan's a very serious drama. Plenty of variety there. I mean, I, I don't get how you could not think there was variety in the genre. It, it just depends, like any other movie. It depends whether you can do it good or not. And in my opinion, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, has had a very good track record, with the exception of Thor The Dark World, my least favourite Thor movie. And for the record, I think Thor Ragnarok's the best, and I hope Love and Thunder is even better. So, yeah. All right. I think that's, uh, I mentioned Deadpool and James Gunn once pointed out that movies could learn the wrong lessons from Deadpool. You know, it could just be raunchy or it could just be all that without the smarts behind Deadpool. You know, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, I, I get where he's coming from. People are just going to want to make inferior copies of whatever's popular, but then some people will, uh, some people will create something that's good. And, you know, more of a good thing's not necessarily a bad thing. There can be too much of a good thing. See when, you know, you merchandise things a bit too much, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know. But, yeah, I also, I get the, uh, merchandising thing, and I get the overexposure of pop culture references and things becoming cliche over time. That's why you got to keep changing it up, you know? But, uh, yeah. And what about the details to keep up with in universes like the MCU? Well, you know, some people are like, oh, it's such a sludge just going through these details. And some people like me, I'm like, well, I got to see everything to do with the continuity in the movies, the Disney Plus shows, you know, that sort of thing. 
but uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's like, it's like how you're uh, experiencing long form storytelling, shall I say, from a variety of perspectives. If a book, you know, I, I, I don't read as many books as I'd probably like to, but you know, I've, I've read a few in my time in my whole life. Not much though. <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, some books will have chapters from different character perspectives. And I feel like that's what all these stories are kind of doing, except if you were to bunch them all in one story, they'd be disjointed. So they're like a series of stories. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah. And of course, there's not only that, but the multiverses, multiverse, sorry, I'll say multiverse because I pronounce, I tend with the E sound, as in the letter I, I tend to want to pronounce it in the I way because it's more vocally satisfying. I don't know. It seems slightly pretentious, but you know, it's like, I usually say multi or something like that. But in this case, I'll try to say multiverse because I I know that it'll weird some people out if I say multiverse. <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah. <clears throat> All right. I think my cough is gone now. Thanks um, for asking, I guess. But uh, yeah multiverses and alternate continuities. Some people complain about it, but some people like it. You know, I've heard one of my relatives, you know, they complain about uh, the multiverse and why can't they just be the one version that everyone can follow and it gets confusing. Like, you know, that that's the reason that uh, they haven't yet seen Into the Spider-Verse, which I'm like, come on, please see it. It's good. But uh, yeah, I would say that uh, multiverses, that's the beauty, you know, everything can technically count, once it's open, it's open, you can count the films, for example, with Marvel, okay, you can count uh, outside the MCU, you can count the X-Men franchise, you can count uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man franchise with Tobey Maguire in it, you can count all that sort of stuff, you know, and that just opens it up, even if the copyright doesn't, you know, you could, uh, you could technically say the same sort of multiverse carries everything. I, I hear that uh, famously a show called Saint Elsewhere used the mind of a little a little boy or a maybe eight, nine-year-old boy to prove that TV shows were just connected because all of Saint Elsewhere was apparently a figment of his imagination. I hear Saint Elsewhere itself was a soap opera from, I think, the 80s or 90s that I don't think many people really remember today. But uh, yeah, that started the, I think, the Tommy Westfall theory. But uh, yeah, that that's, they link shows like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Hannah Montana, you know, fans have just said, well, yeah, we're going to link all these. So technically, everything's connected. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm going to have trouble connecting some things that say end with the end of the world or whatever, you know. That that sort of thing can't be in every continuity, because how many times has that been depicted? Okay, end of tangent. I just wanted someone to throw in the St. Elsewhere thing, just because I heard about that, and I thought it might interest you. But uh, yeah, I guess I was discussing multiverses, and that's where it came in. But uh, yeah, alternate continuities. I mean, the comics themselves could technically count. Maybe the comics are the prime thing. Maybe there's just a so-called prime earth for the MCU that fits somewhere in the multiverse, you know, but, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, in terms of long form storytelling, we have a culture really of binge watching or a chapter a night or a movie a week, or maybe a movie every couple of weeks or, or a couple months or whatever. But the point is, you know, you, you experience, it's like how people used to go to the cinema to see 
oh, well, is this hero going to get out alive in this cliffhanger? You know, you go to the cinemas, you pay, I think, well, back in the day, it would have been probably really, really dirt cheap, maybe under a dollar to go to the old, uh, you know what I mean, the the Flash Gordon type serials, the, that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, people really want value in their entertainment. They want not only standalone stories, but stories that connect to each other. I think that there's a place for that, and especially in my opinion, you know, and even if you don't like superhero stuff, maybe there's, you know, you'd go to see your favorite trilogy, you'd go to see the Star Wars movies, you'd go to see the Before Trilogy, or very different audience, I know, you'd go to see, I don't know, the Hobbit Trilogy, or some people say Lord of the Rings, or whatever, Okay, I gotta fill in my pop culture knowledge because I've never seen Lord of the Rings. I know, shocker. And that'll probably distract you from the rest of the episode right there. But uh, yeah, I'm just gonna throw that out there. There's a lot I gotta catch up on, and that does not make me any less of a movie buff. Alright, now, I do think that. Uh, where was I in the notes? Okay, I've got quite a few things to go through. We're currently at nine minutes. Wow, I talk a lot. <laughs> This might be slightly longer than usual, maybe? Okay, anyway. But, uh, yeah. A chapter a night, a movie a week. I I think that uh, it's like buying a new comic, except spread out over months instead of... uh, Well, you know what I mean. Spread out over a few months or maybe a year instead of, you know, one month per per issue or whatever. But, yeah, you have all these heroes you can go with and, yeah, you can check out the in-between stuff in the meantime, the TV shows, the biographies and the websites, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, good is subjective. I was mentioning too much of a good thing earlier. The DC Extended Universe is hit or miss, and I'll admit I've not caught up on everything. I've not caught up on Shazam yet, but I have seen like Aquaman, which I, yeah, two stars for that one out of five. Sorry. Uh, it had a potential, but it ultimately really bored me. I'm I'm really sorry, and I, I really liked James Wan's The Conjuring. I know a different type of movie, but I know James Wan has made a movie that I like, and that is The Conjuring. Two movies I like, The Conjuring and Dead Silence, that I've seen, you know? And some people maybe give me crap for liking Dead Silence, but people can like what they like, okay? It's all good. But uh, yeah, animation is an option with its limitless potential. You know, if you can't do something in live (coughs) action, if you can't do something in live action, if you have something you can exclusively do in animation, then fine. What's the stigma against animation films for big audiences or even the niche sorts of animation films that have, have harsher ratings in the UK, maybe a 15 or in America, maybe an R? Or in Australia, maybe an MA or an R. Yes, Australia's R rating is tougher than the American one. It's 18 plus here. That's what R means here. But uh, yeah, um, I think that uh, animation is a very good way to, uh, you know, look at uh, The Dark Knight Returns. That was a pretty good adaptation. Having not read the source material, like I wish I could get more into the comics, but... I felt like that was a pretty good thing for a director video, and they really did put effort into it, really. You know, it's animated in the typical Warner Brothers animation style, and, you know, as uh, the way they would animate humans in the, you know, the cartoons like, I don't know, Young Justice or something, I guess. But, you know what I mean, you know what I mean, a bit different. But, uh, okay, enough about that tangent. I think that uh, animation can really 
really bring to life things that they don't think would be maybe palatable for the bigger audiences. Maybe people will demand more and they'll be like, you know, give us a real movie. But then that's a bit of elitism right there because animation, it's every bit of a real movie as live action. Not technically because live action's live action, but I don't get why people, some people, don't consider animation quote unquote real movies. That's just a pet peeve of mine. But anyway, moving on from that tangent. So yeah, I think the elitism, I was mentioning that, about superhero movies not being cinema, you know, being theme park rides. I'm sorry. Okay. But look, I, I, I respect, I respect Mr. Scorsese. I, I really do. I think he's a great director and all that. But I fundamentally disagree with the superhero stuff not being cinema or not being art. As I have said before in my podcast, everything, whether you like it or not, is art. You don't have to like it, but it's art. And I'm just going to reiterate that again, you know. But uh, yeah, superheroes, um, you know, I, I think that uh, it, there's a special place for mostly uplifting art, you know. You get something downbeat like Logan even, that's plenty art, you know. People s- seem to think of it like with animation, you know, superheroes aren't real movies or whatever, come on, yes, they bloody are, yes, that's my Australian thing going in there, <laughs> uh, alrighty then, but uh, yeah, I do fear, however, that studios are preferring big budget over small budget in cinemas, and I feel like indie filmmakers need spaces spaces in the cinemas to shine, I feel like that's a real problem, if there are too many big budget movies in general, that fill the cinemas, that dominate the cinemas completely. Where's the room for the little guys who want to have that theatrical exhibition? You know, if I ever make a movie, I'd love to be, I'd like, I'd love to show it theatrically, at least somewhere, you know. I have this horror movie idea that I've wanted to bring to life for a while, actually. But, uh, yeah, all right, well, I think that, uh, in terms of, in terms of actors who, you know, they don't, they don't want to commit to a superior franchise. It's understandable in the way that you don't want to commit to any franchise for some actors. But then there's a certain thing about that, you know? I, I think that to, I think that maybe they're afraid of being typecast, which typecasting is another problem entirely. But that's not for this podcast episode, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah. I do think that, uh, you know, some people tend to think of superheroes as a big trend that'll die, like big budget westerns. I don't think it'll ever truly die. I mean, you see westerns kicking around always, you know. But I do think that trends do come and go and come along again. Like, for example, the young adult films, you know. Stuff like After We Collided, Chaos Walking, that's still in cinemas, but it's not as popular as, say, even The Maze Runner or Divergent or, or Twilight or The Hunger Games. Or, you know, the big, the big one that people loved over the years, which I would consider probably the first major young adult movie that came out in terms of the modern craze, and that'd be the Harry Potter series. But, you know, for, for everyone that's successful, there are failed ones like Beautiful Creatures, Mortal Instruments, I Am Number Four, Beastly. You don't have to have seen them, but see if you remember them. Or they may have very small fandoms as movies. And are not really rescued from obscurity. Or, you know, fans of the books could overwhelmingly just prefer the books and be like, that's the only reason I know the movie. And some fans, like those of Percy Jackson, 
they see the movies as just not existing and they're waiting for the Disney Plus TV show that will be much more faithful and have the help of Rick Riordan. So there you go. But uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that there's... I'm sure that there's authors who are listening to this. I mean, you know, I, I know that at least one of you is probably an author um, who's listening or whatever, or who I've tagged. I think I've tagged a couple of authors at least. But uh, yeah. So yeah, I think that uh, back to the uh, back to the independent side of things, you know, I, I think you're thinking there's uh, there's a Venn diagram of uh, independent films and big budget superhero films and they never cross over. But no. I mean, look at uh, James Gunn's Super. This was before he was big. You know, he'd done Slither in 2005, and he'd, I think he'd done a little bit. But uh, then, you know, he'd done Super in 2010. He'd worked for Troma years before. You know, he'd done Super, 2010. That was $2 million. And who can fathom making a big superhero movie on $2 million? You know, this was a smaller scale thing with uh, Rain Wilson, Elliot Page, and... Uh, yeah, you know, it was a smaller, more uh, graphic one, shall I say. Not as polished necessarily, but that, that's a good thing, you know. I would probably put a big uh, trigger warning for that one. It does. N- I I think that maybe it. Uh, it you know it doesn't. It I think it could offend some people that movie. I I think it probably could, but uh, yeah. So tread lightly around that one. Okay, so. Uh, I think it would be easier if DC, like all of Marvel, sorry, like DC, all of Marvel was ultimately under Disney. I'm sure many of you have the same sentiment. So yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it took a while for the X-Men movies to come back to uh, to uh, Disney through the Fox purchase. But uh, yeah, you know, you had the, you know, Fox came back to Disney, X-Men's now part of the whole thing again. That's, that's good. But then... There's the complicated deal with Spider-Man. You know, Disney gets the toy money, Sony gets the movie money. For the most part, I think they've reconfigured that a little. But uh, still, I think it'd be fair if they had a 50-50 split. Both should go for the character and profit from him. And then the whole reason you you never got another solo Hawk film in the MCU was that because Universal, well, they were basically like, well, yeah we don't want to make another one. They have some legal thing that I'm not sure about called right of first refusal. If there's any lawyers listening, um, please let me know. Just stretching, just, uh, you know, walking around a bit, getting the blood flowing. If you're wondering about any, uh, floorboards creaking or anything like that. All good. All right. But, uh, yeah, my final point, of course, is, Let's just hope they don't reboot Spider-Man again for a long, long time. Please, that'd be good. Well, it's it's never likely that they're going to reboot him again. And it also occurred to me that the Fantastic Four reboot they announced in the MCU is the fourth adaptation. So yeah, make of that what you will. All right. Well, that is the end of my rantings and ravings and, you know, generally cool stuff. But uh, yeah, if you want to inspire, innovate, create, electrify, we need your voice because you can change things for the better. Now go change things for the better. All right.